Welcome to your province, your premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Danielle Smith about a few issues of the day. But this is really your opportunity to talk with the premier directly, to ask your questions and voice your concerns, whatever's on your mind. But please keep it short and respectful. Premier Danielle Smith wants to hear from you. The numbers to call or text in Calgary, 403-974-8255 and Edmonton, 780-496-0063. Premier Smith, welcome to the show. Hi, Wayne. Happy to be here again. Well, let's let's get right to it. Uh, introduction of Bill 1, the new Alberta Sovereignty Within a United Canada Act, uh, introduced in the legislature Tuesday, really stirred up a hornet's nest of debate. And when we spoke last week, uh, you said the bill had been renamed from the Alberta Sovereignty Act in order to give greater clarity to its intent. That hasn't seemed to have helped. Uh, even Deputy Premier Casey Madhu says some amendments may be needed to clear up some of the confusion. Now, to be clear... From the very moment you started talking about this act months ago and before any details had even been publicized, people were sounding off on what a bad idea it was. And then after its introduction, their opinions don't seem to have changed very much. In fact, the volume of debate has only increased. Now, here, here's a few things I find interesting. I'd like your opinion on. This is where I want to I, I start this morning. I'm going to lay it out for you so you and our listeners will know where I'm going. So please bear with me. And you, and you may want to take some notes because it's, it's uh, I'll try to keep it short. But yesterday, federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was in Calgary. He said the proposed act was a distraction at a time when Albertans are suffering from record high inflation and an overloaded health care system. Now, to his point, the latest StatsCan numbers show Alberta unemployment rose more than half a percentage point last month to 5.8%, while falling nationally to 5.1%. On another matter, earlier this week, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation issued a report that showed Prime Minister Trudeau is giving Quebec a special deal on the federal carbon tax, while taxpayers in Alberta and other provinces still have to pay more. Now, I'm not as focused on the news of the day as I was when I was in the news business, but I can't recall hearing this story or, or seeing it anywhere, and I'm pretty sure I would have remembered something like that. So did it get the same degree of publicity as all of the criticisms to the proposed Sovereignty Act? Now, particularly frustrating about that act is even the experts can't agree on whether the proposed act is constitutional. On one hand, you've got law professors here in Alberta and Toronto who say it isn't constitutional, yet... A former Supreme Court justice and a Toronto lawyer who has expertise in federalism, these are people who actually have that real-world court experience in these matters, say that it is. And then there's the columnists. And then you've got the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. They've all voiced concern that it's going to shake investor confidence. Out of all that... Most people seem to agree the biggest issue in the proposed act is the section in which the government deems a federal law to be harmful to Albertans, and it leaves a lot open to interpretation. All right, that's, that's where I want to start. Uh, as I said, there's, there's lots to go with, so uh, pick and choose. Where do you want to start, uh, Premier Smith? Holy Dinah, there is a lot there, Wayne. First yeah. of all, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh has zero credibility when he is talking about inflation and affordability. He voted with the federal government, and he's propping them up for the next three years on their plan to increase the carbon tax 300%. And we know, based on what we're seeing, especially in Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, this is causing devastation to families who are on the margins and have low income. So this, to me, to, for, to have the federal NDP leader come and 
and try to criticize us when he is creating the inflation crisis by propping up the liberals and failing to condemn them for increasing the the cost of everything by that amount is is pretty rich. When you think about how much the our fuel prices go into driving inflation because uh, transportation fuels, the electricity bills, the the heating of facilities. So I, I must tell you, like I I think we have to understand how disingenuous that is. And I've called on Rachel Notley to condemn this decision of her federal leader and to ask them to, as we have, to suspend the, not only the uh, the carbon tax but not to do these increases. And she's refused to do that. So we are the ones who are coming through in a, with an affordability plan to counteract everything that the Liberal NDP coalition in Ottawa is doing. And so that's the reason why we're putting forward indexation. It's why we are giving $100 per senior, per child, and per, per individual who is on our support programs, because we know that in these coming months, January through through June, they're going to need that kind of support. So um, affordability is our number one issue. There is no question about it. But that being said, you can do two things at once. So I can I can protect people today and I can also protect them into the future. And you're quite right. I, I almost fell off my chair when I had my courtesy call with Quebec Premier Francois Legault. And he told me, oh, well, you know, we don't have the same retail carbon taxes as you do because we have a cap and trade system and we're treated differently. I don't think that that's constitutional. I well, don't think that. And, it's and I can't recall hearing that anywhere. Uh, this was published by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation on Monday. I can't recall hearing it here, anywhere, uh, whether on radio or television or in the papers. Completely. I, and, and I think this is the nature of the problem, isn't it? Is that uh, Alberta gets treated differently than the rest of the country, and Alberta gets treated differently, most specifically, than Quebec. Because if we're talking about passing unconstitutional laws, this is exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. The federal government passes policies that treat us differently than other parts of the country, and then we have to go to court to say, whoa, 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 you can't do that under the Constitution. This, this, in my opinion, and in the lawyers I've spoken with, this is the kind of thing that is offside, is these kinds of, of policies. So th- th- when you talk about why we need Need the Alberta sovereignty within a united Canada Act. This is an example of it. Is all we want is for the federal government to number one stay in its own lane, make sure that it is only regulating in areas where it has exclusive constitutional jurisdiction, and number two, for heaven's sakes, be fair about it. Don't don't try to pit one region against the other by having policies that are applied differently in one place than the other. So this is very much on my radar as one of the ways in, in which we may have to challenge the federal government. There's other ways too. I mean, in the application of social programs, look at Quebec. Quebec, uh, they go along to Quebec and they say, hey, we want to give you some money. And as long as you run programs our way, and Quebec says, no, we'll uh, run our programs our own way. But we'll take the money anyway as an envelope funding. When we try to do that, they tell us no. They say if we if you want if you don't run it our way, we're not going to give you the money at all. You you can't as a federal government be picking and choosing how you treat different provinces. That is unconstitutional. And probably another way we're going to have to challenge this bill uh, or this uh, federal legislation. But the two things that are that I think are are most important when I say I have to protect people for the future, is the federal government has talked about having an emissions cap on fertilizer that would force our farmers to reduce fertilizer use by 30%, and an emissions cap on oil and gas that would force our oil and natural gas producers to reduce their emissions 42%, both by 2030. Now, I've talked to Sonia Savage, our environment minister, who also happens to be a lawyer, and here's what she says. If you have an emissions cap and you don't have the technology to achieve it and you don't have the time frame to be able to achieve it, 
It is a de facto production cap, and that is against the Constitution. We have the right to develop our resources, to determine the rate that we're developing our resources, to develop conservation policy around it. And that's a violation of our rights. So if they proceed in pushing us on those issues, I am going to have to step in and say, no, put up the constitutional shield, and then we can battle it out in court. They don't have a right to pass policy willy-nilly and then force us to be the ones who have to do to, to fight to get our rights back. But that brings us bring to, to the point. The uh, that brings us to the point, uh, Premier Smith, that uh, about the the laws that are perceived to be harmful to Albertans, as I said, it, it leaves a lot open to interpretation. I think that that's where most of the criticism is, is directed in the proposed act. Well, it's harmful to Albertans to have to pay constantly escalating carbon taxes on heating and electricity when they don't have the same policies in Quebec. It's harmful to Albertans that we're told that they'll cancel our childcare deal if we want to have private sector operators in it, whereas Quebec is able to just get a, a an envelope transfer to support their program. That's harmful to okay. our citizens. It's harmful to us to have our energy companies potentially facing massive share loss value because of unrealistic and unfair policies that, that target just them. It's unfair to our food producers and harmful to our food producers if they're going to have to bear the burden of reducing fertilizer when they're already the most efficient operators in the country. These are a few of the examples of why we need to fight back. Now, here's the thing, Wayne. I, I, I want to find collaboration. I want to find areas of agreement. And here's what I'm hoping by putting this shield up. By putting it up, it allows the federal government to say, you know what, maybe we can't do that. It causes them to be reflective. And maybe they'll come to the table and they'll work with us on finding some reasonable solutions to these things. That's the whole purpose behind it. All right. Uh, I want to quickly take a phone call before we go to a break. Pete's been hanging on here since before we went to air. Uh, so, Pete, uh, calling in from Calgary. Go ahead, Pete, and please make it short. I will. And, uh, Danielle, thank you for stepping in at this very important time in Alberta and Canada's future. My question is around mental health and education. We have a lot of young people in our family and around us and teachers. And unfortunately, a lot of the message coming out of the education system is that the planet is coming to an abrupt stop in 10 or 15 years. We're trying to teach the very much the opposite, that math and technology, engineering, environment, health, <coughs> real science is how we're going to create a positive future is that what we're trying to put into the school system now, or are we going to continue consensus science training? I feel very much as you do, Pete, that our entrepreneurs are amazing, and especially in this province. And the amount of innovation that I've already seen on reducing emissions over the last five years, it is such a good news story. And young people should feel should feel proud and confident of what we are doing because if we are able to capture emissions and then either store them underground or embed them in, into useful products, if we're able to start building out a hydrogen economy so that you're able to power your transportation vehicles with hydrogen and reduce emissions, if we're able to get LNG to market and reduce emissions globally so that the world has uh, has cleaner fuels, so they're not having to use coal and wood and other polluting fuels, that's a good news story. So I, I feel like we have to make sure that our message is getting out there in the world. And that's part of the reason why I did the interview with Jordan Peterson is I wanted to make sure that, that people understood how seriously we take this and how much progress we're making. And it's the reason why I sent Sonia Savage 
uh, our environment minister to COP27. And the, the message is getting through. The Americans, in, in point of fact, even said, gee, what are you doing up there in Alberta? Because you're miles ahead of us and we want to be able to do the same thing. So I think we've had so many people talking down our economy for the last uh, number of years. Uh, trust me, I'm going to be talking it up. And, and I think in talking it up, people will have confidence that right. we're going to be able to solve this. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back with more on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back. I'm your host and moderator, Wayne Nelson. Your Province, Your Premier is heard every Saturday morning for listeners throughout Alberta in Edmonton on 630 Chad and right here in Calgary on 770 CHQR. All right, the phone lines are jammed. The texts are coming in. Uh, Premier hey, Wayne, Smith, yes, go ahead. Do you, do you mind? You know, I, I don't want people to think that I wasn't answering your other question as well about... Um, well, we um, did run out of the bill. Yeah, we I, did. Yeah. I know you you stacked it up, so I, I did. had a lot to respond to. So, so let me just say that I have said in the legislature, and I've said to media that if there are things that are unclear about the legislation, that I am absolutely open to having revisions and amendments to it. Because look, you, you never get things uh, 100% right all the time. I think we understand that. But I'm also the type of person that if there is something that needs some clarity, I'm more than happy to get that. Uh, that well, I response. think that seems gonna- to be the biggest issue is people are really unclear on the, the workings of, of the proposed act. I mean, even Casey Madu says some amendments may, may be needed. A uh, recent Leger poll, uh, I'm, uh, I'm quoting from a, from a recent column, said Albertans just don't get it. So can we simplify t- it anymore? I can tell you why. So first of all, I mean, for the past seven months, everybody said this was about separation. So I think that's now clear because it's called the Alberta Sovereignty Within a United Canada Act. That part has been clarified. This has nothing to do with leaving the country. It has everything to do with asserting our sovereign rights. And so I think that part is clear. I think where uh, there is some concern right now is that it's written in a way that suggests that we would be able to to unilaterally change statutes. And we're not able to do that. That governments, governments can change regulations. We can do ministerial orders, we can do directives, we can make policy changes. There's lots that happens in the legislative process where the legislature debates the idea passes the uh, the proposals, and then cabinet is is able to go and enact it. I think that there was some confusion or some lack of clarity that if there's any uh, changes to statutes, it does have to come back to the legislature. So we're working on, on making sure that that gets clarified. But that seems to be the biggest criticism. And so those are the things that we're, go- we're going to be able to, to look at, debate out, and address next week. It's part of the re- process that you go through with bills. You introduce yeah. them. There's there's debate, debate whether, there's possible yes, amendments yes there's exactly. possible amendments and then you and then you pass through so you know look I'm I'm fair minded if uh, if if we made some uh, cause some confusion by some awkward wording then let's uh, let's clean it up and and then be able to talk about the bigger issues and the bigger issues are that we know that the federal government for the past seven years has targeted our province with unfair policies. They have targeted our industry unfairly. They're not doing this to any other industry in the rest of the country, and they're doing it unconstitutionally. They do not have the power to tell us how to develop our resources, and that's what we're fighting back against, and we're putting them on notice. All right, let's go to Justin in Edmonton, and Justin has a question about, surprise, the Sovereignty Act. Go ahead, Justin. You're on with Premier Smith. Uh, Good morning, Premier Smith. Hi, Justin. My concern, is, my concern is the fact that the Sovereignty Act, given the current powers, uh, could be used by the NDP to, uh, in six months should they win at that time. And worse of all, it could be an NDP government uh, provincially and a, and, a, and a conservative government federally. So and they're going to use exactly the tool that you gave them to obstruct all the Everett agenda. 
Um, well, I guess this is the question. I mean, for for from my point of view, the NDP passed legislation in the past uh, that would have allowed for us to turn off the taps to the rest of the country. And that was deemed to be um, above board and not constitutional. They've never had to use it. Like, And I think that's the important thing, is that sometimes you put this kind of shield in place, hoping that it changes the conversation and changes the relationship. Um, this is not something that is going to be used willy-nilly. And the main thing is that it all always has to be debated publicly. The, the entire point of having this is so that cabinet doesn't unilaterally make decisions. It's so that it has to be brought forward in the legislature. It has to be debated. It has to get the, the scrutiny of, of talk show hosts and columnists and, and scholars, because the this is just establishing the framework. The Where the controversy may come is if we ever have to invoke it. And once again, I've said that I'm, I'm quite happy to work collaboratively with our federal counterparts to make sure that they stay in their own lane and to work with us on the issues that we want to achieve. And work with us on establishing joint objectives. And if we can change that relationship, then it will have done its job. And that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. This is not a this is not a piece of legislation that we should be um, using capriciously or very often. If we're using it very often, it means that there's something fundamentally wrong in the relationship between Ottawa and Alberta. And All that's right. and that's what we're trying to fix. Text message now from Calgary. Regarding your MLA from Red Deer, Mr. Stefan, during Bill One debate, I was saddened to see his performance performance at the legislature, referring to the former NDP party that was duly and democratically elected as an occupation is deplorable. A governing party needs to listen and respect all Albertans and aspire to a higher standard of political discourse, regardless of party alliance. What will you do to assure Albertans that you will listen to all of us and discourage this divisive, arrogant and negative rhetoric? Thank you. Well, you know, unfortunately, it goes both ways. I was uh, I was dismayed to see that uh, Darren Billis uh, he he tried to call he tried to uh, akin this to Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is creating absolute calamity in the world, and he's targeting the Ukrainian people and he's murdering them. And so, to call me Vladimir Putin, I thought was pretty outrageous. I would like to see the level of discussion and the level of decorum raised. And so I'm going to do my part to make sure that we're not flailing around using using outrageous terms to try to discredit those on the other side. But I I think it's completely legitimate to point out that the NDP had 183,000 jobs that got lost in their tenure. We have not seen unemployment unemployment rates this low since the beginning, since 2014. Um, We had high unemployment rates all through the NDP tenure. We have had record increases in the amount of venture capital. We now have people moving back into this province again. There's a reason for that. We have policies that are attracting people, and they had policies that uh, that, that caused them to, to move away. So we want to make sure that this remains a place that is open for business. And I think that was the main point that we we're right. trying to make in the legislature. Fitz has texted in from Edmonton, says, Will Alberta follow Saskatchewan in writing a Provincial Firearms Act to protect the firearms owners of Alberta? Yes, absolutely. I know that the um, that Justice Minister Tyler Shandro is already well underway with that. We've got a fantastic Chief Firearms Officer and Terry Bryant who proposed that. And this is the important part about how, uh, understanding what is available to us under the Constitution. The Constitution gives us powers of property and civil rights. Regulating how people use their property is totally within our jurisdiction. Policing and the administration of justice is in provincial jurisdiction. 
the our policing contract with the RCMP. We get to decide what our policing priorities are. And so I think that Justice Minister Tyler Shandro already made that very clear. Saskatchewan, Manitoba are following suit. We've got New Brunswick and the Yukon who have also agreed that the federal government has gone too far. So that is uh, that's on our on our agenda. And so I don't know if we'll get to it this um, this legislative session because it's short, but it's something that we would be bringing in in the spring. All right. Back to the phones. Chris calling in from Edmonton. Chris has been hanging on for, I think, almost the whole show. So, uh, Chris, your patience has been rewarded. You're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. Oh, good morning. Uh, I guess my question has to do with uh, uh, an issue that uh, our Prime Minister and uh, Public Safety Minister can't seem to answer in question period. And it has to do with uh, foreign interference. Um, and I'm going to go back uh, a little bit. In 2010, the director of the CSIS uh, was Richard Fadden, and he, he indicated that there are several municipal politicians in British Columbia and at least two provinces. There are ministers of the Crown who we think are under at least the general influence of, the, of, the, of a foreign government. Now, you fast forward to 2014, the same sort of remarks are made by um, Michelle, as you know, Ketsiu, uh, who told uh, Sam Cooper that they, he, and he was with CSIS, found evidence that the Chinese consulate in Toronto was directly interfering in elections by sending Chinese students into the homes of Chinese language-only households and telling the residents which candidates the consulate wanted voters to choose. Fast forward to 2018, you've got a, um, a United Front uh, Work Department-funded uh, um, uh, Canadian uh, offshoot um, attempting to buy votes in Canada. And then you've got this business about the 2019 election where 11 candidates were um, um, apparently... Um, targeted for uh, CCP funding. And your, your and question, uh, Chris? My question is, um, uh, Madam Premier, uh, because we're seeing a lot of advertising now out of the NDP, and we're seeing a lot of advertising out of their union friends, Is have you come across or have you been briefed on any evidence whatsoever that the CCP have infiltrated our either municipal or provincial elections. No, I have not I have not received a briefing to that effect. I do get security briefings and no, no one has raised that with me. I'm I'm following what you what you are following as well and it could be that that is a problem in other provinces and it could be that that is a problem at the federal level. I can only um, I only have domain over what's happening in Alberta, but I I can tell you I've, I've not heard that all I would say is that the NDP have uh, have been very effective at being able to raise money over the, <laughs> the last three and a half years, as have the the unions. And this is part of the reason why they're doing an extensive ad campaign is that uh, they we've been in, in the middle of internal turmoil. We were polling behind them for the last two and a half years. Our, our base was very concerned that we were not addressing their priorities. And we're turning that around. I mean, this Leger poll that came out this week um, so, shows to me that, that we're now, we've now closed the gap with the NDP and people are feeling enthusiasm. They're feeling excitement for the fact that we're addressing affordability and we're addressing healthcare reform. And we're going to keep on doing that. But I, I look at what we're seeing out in the Alberta marketplace right now as just a 
robust exchange of ideas, and we've got to do a better job of getting our ideas out. I don't think that there's anything nefarious going on. All right. Ed's calling in from Olds, and he's got a good follow-up question uh, regarding the NDP. Go ahead, Ed. You're on with Premier Smith. Yes. Uh, well, she covered it a little bit. Okay, the NDP and all the money they're getting for advertising, Trudeau and Singh are giving it. And your, your question, Ed? Yeah. How do you stop that? <laughs> and another thing, okay, all this uh, pollution control and stuff, the worst uh, calamity we're in right now is garbage. Why don't we start putting scrubbers on and each town could have their own generator and burn the garbage? Well, Ed's got some good thoughts there. So let me first deal with the uh, the, the, the concern. There, there's no question that the uh, Liberal NDP coalition in Ottawa, Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau, there's no question that they are coordinating their message with Rachel Notley here. That's, that's very obvious. When you look at the issues that they're tackling, when you look at the fact that she is not um, pushing back against this 300% carbon tax increase, it's very clear that there's a strong relationship there. As for funding, though, yeah, everything is done through Elections Alberta. Um, any uh, third-party advertisers have to uh, have to have to sign up, and they have to say how much they're spending and where they're getting it from. So I I, do, I think it's doubtful that um, that Trudeau and 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 Singh are giving money to Rachel Notley. But boy, they certainly are giving uh, airwave support by by going out and trashing me and keeping their and keeping their comments um, sure. in, in sync. So that's that's one. Of, but you know what? That's politics. That's yeah. the way it works. And, and if she wants and, to align herself with them in Ottawa, then then she can do that. I'm going to make sure that I speak for Albertans first. But on the other issue about what we do about uh, pollution, I think he's calling it the uh, there's there's a couple of proposals about waste to energy. And I think now might be the time for it. I just met with a group last week that have been pushing a, forward a proposal for 12 years. And they feel like they might be pretty close to the finish line on that. And I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for it. Over the last number of years, we've seen that we've been diligently putting money, putting uh, aside our waste materials so that they can be recycled. But we've had a couple of problems with that. There are, are, are countries around the world that no, want, no longer want to accept it, Malaysia and Philippines. And so we might have to come up with some different solutions for that. And so I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about those proposals. And if anyone else has any more, they should let me know so that I can bring it to the attention of our environment minister to All take right. a look at. Terry has texted in from Calgary, says the NDP or alias is running a lot of fear-mongering stories for anti-UCP and anti-Danielle Smith on Reddit subgroups like the Calgary group. Will Danielle Smith counteract their misinformation? Yes. I mean, part of the issue when I got elected as leader is that I had to go right into a by-election. And we've got laws that you're not allowed to do any announcements during or advertise during that period. So keep in mind, I just got into the legislature on November 29th. That was I was finally sworn in as an MLA. So it's been a little bit of a process. But we, we absolutely are doing some advertising because we're doing so many great things. I mean, this affordability measure, I'm just so proud of affordability and utilities minister Matt Jones and... And our seniors, community and social supports minister, Jeremy Nixon, and our children's services minister, Mickey Amory, they put together, I think, a really great package that is going to make sure that we target those most in need. And people are going to start feeling it soon. They acted very, very quickly. So once we get that legislation passed, we'll be able to start making sure that people are, are protected as soon as December, but also going into the new year. All right. Neil is calling in from Edmonton regarding blood clinics. Go ahead, Neil. You're on with Premier Smith. Yes. Good morning. Hi. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a senior citizen. I live in uh, I, li I live in, in Beverly, and uh, I've always been going to a lab. Uh, uh, 
uh, about uh, 179th Street and 112th Avenue. It was uh, it's a Northeast lab, and now I understand that you're closing them to go with mm-hmm. Dynalife, Life, who I find most inefficient, uh, probably the worst uh, medical labs you can get. And uh, now to go to my lab, I have to go to Abbotsford, which is east. And uh, when I go there, it's filled with nothing but immigrants with their 12 kids per family. The place stinks. You can't sit down. There's no room. It's inefficient. Why are you doing this? Why are you going with Dynalife and closing some of these really efficient labs like the Northeast uh, on uh, 112th Avenue? Why is that? I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Well... First of all, Neil, I'm, I'm I'm offended by the way you described your experience. Um, I think that lots of people in this province have large families, and I I, I hope you'll withdraw those comments because they're not appropriate. But as for the issue of how we're addressing the frontline care and our lab services, I I'm going to take a look at that because my my view is that we need to have more options for more people so that we have more accessibility, and it's part of the reason why I brought in. Dr. John Cowell as the official administrator is so that he can have a hands-on day-to-day operational role in making sure that these uh, decisions are made, being made appropriately. So I can, I've, I've made some notes about the, 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 the lab in question and I'll make sure to follow up with him. All right. Another healthcare question. This one coming in on the text line, uh, Premier Smith. Uh, the texter says, I have been working in healthcare for 20 years, never seen such a low morale like these days. Also, while the rest of the world moved from COVID, we still work with masks. I know many people who have left as they couldn't bear wearing a mask anymore. It adds to overall fatigue. When is AHS getting rid of mandatory masks in healthcare? It's been almost three years. Oh, I can tell you, I am looking forward to having that conversation moving on. Look, the... Um, What I would say about masks is that I'm pleased to see the vast majority of workplaces and and our schools are not having mandatory masking policies. That to me is very positive. That being said, we are also in the middle of respiratory virus season, which happens every single year. And this one is particularly bad because we've got influenza and RSV, which is the particular virus that hits kids as well as COVID all hitting all at once. And so I think this would probably be the wrong time to give a directive to our health facilities about what they ought to do about masking. But we can have that conversation once we get through this fall respiratory virus season. I'm kind, I'm beginning to, to see that, that there is a certain percentage of the public that feels more comfortable, especially when they go into an area where there are sick people, that they just feel more comfortable wearing a mask. And I, I don't think that we should make people feel badly if that's the choice that they want to make. But uh, but uh, I'm going to be a bit more patient about what's happening in our health facilities and defer to how they want to run those facilities, just knowing that we are in the middle or at the very beginning of a, a pretty difficult respiratory virus season. All right. Kim is texting in from Edmonton. And she said, I would like to know if the utility rebate that the premier announced applies to condo corporations. My condo fees also cover utilities, so I don't pay a separate utility bill. But on behalf of all 52 units in the building, the condo board pays a large monthly bill. I want to see a rebate to the corporation based on 52 households. It's a good point. I know that I've talked with our affordability and utilities minister, Matt Jones, about this and the ability to do sub metering as well so that some of that can flow through to the individual units. Um, and especially when we have when we have rental units as a uh, as another example of, of what she was talking about. So I'm, I'm not sure that we have fully 
um, uh, resolve that issue. It's, it, I do know that it is something that our minister has already raised and is working through the process. We're, we're introducing that bill this week. And so I'll, I'll uh, circle back and see if there's any more work that needs to be done. I'm also meeting with the uh, with those who provide our uh, retail services on uh, electricity and natural gas or on, on electricity this week. So I'll, I'll see if we can, if there's some complexities that I'm not aware of, but thanks for raising it. We do know about it. And there's a lot more people living in congregate care settings uh, and congregate living settings, whether it's a condo or a rental unit or some other type of living arrangement. So we've got to make sure we solve this problem. All right. Landon is calling from Calgary uh, regarding an election. Go ahead, Landon. Yes. Uh, good morning, uh, Madam Premier. First of all, congratulations on your uh, election uh, as leader and MLA. So I'd like to thank you for coming back. Uh, the, I have a comment and a question. Number one, I was actually sitting on the fence whether or not to support you or not uh, in the next election, but I see that you've made it easy for me by the way you're standing up for Albertans. I mean, there's no popularity contest being a leader, but at least you're you're trying to show people that you care about our province. People in the past have done nothing but complain and complain that, you know, nobody cares about Alberta. We finally get a leader that says, hey, it's... Uh, it's time we stand up to Justin Trudeau or the Prime Minister of the day, and then people complain. So I want to say thank you for that. I will be voting for you. Um, and the other thing is, do you think if this NDP continues to push along this sovereignty issue just because they think it's making a gaining points for them, at some point you might say, hey, you know what? I think let's go to the people and decide whether or not they want me as their premier and whether or not they want me to advocate on behalf of the Sovereignty Act because I think they're, the NDP is going to kick this for and use it as much as they can because they think that there's people out there that don't want it. I think the people that don't want it are people that are NDP supporters. The people that want it will be your supporters. So I think at some point, I'm wondering if you'll just say, hey, you know what, guys? I have a lot of confidence in Albertans. Let's go to the polls. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm disappointed in the NDP because if you look at what happened in Saskatchewan, uh, they've come through with a, quite a similar bill and it got the support of the NDP. And And I had I had hoped that the NDP would do the same thing, that this is about putting Alberta first and, and standing up to the, 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 the invasive actions of the federal government that have been hitting us year after year after year after year. And no one knows that better. Than, Premier, than former Premier Rachel Notley. She, she tried to get social license by bending over backwards for them, by putting in a carbon tax that we now can't get rid of and phasing out coal early, which cost us $4 billion to do, and by putting in a cap on emissions, which they now are trying to exploit and, and make it even more aggressive. And she thought that would get a social license, and instead all it got us was more aggressive negative policy and a bunch of cancelled projects. So I would have thought that she, more than anyone, would have understood that we needed to do something else and would have taken the lead from her counterpart in Saskatchewan to say, no, 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 we're going to stand tall and we're going to stand with the government. No, no, it's not too late for her to do that. I think it'd be the right thing to do. But if we have to bring forward some of these motions that I'm talking about, where we say, no, we're not going to have an aggressive emissions cap on our fertilizer, so that so that we're not going to put our farmers in a position where they can't produce food. Is she really going to vote with the with the federal government on that, or is she going to vote on behalf of Albertans? That that'll be the test. Is there might be a lot of 
noise happening right now. But once we start having to make these actions to push back against Ottawa, then maybe they'll do the right thing. I'm still going to keep an open mind and hope that they do. All right. Just before we go to a break, we had a text message that came in uh, very similar to what you just uh, stated, Premier Smith. Uh, said, uh, I don't hear anyone criticizing the Saskatchewan plan. Why is that? It's the same legislation. The texter also adds, if the Alberta Sovereignty Act is causing the Laurentian elites and all the university left professors to light their hair on fire, it must be good. All right. We're going to pause I, for a break right now. Uh, you I'll want come a, back a quick, to that if you don't comment? mind, Wayne. Well, we'll, do, we'll, we'll take a quick comment from you. But well, I, I, was, I had a number of people send me Rex Murphy's column today, and he said, when Trudeau sing and, and the Toronto media are all against Danielle Smith, you know she must be doing something right and i can i can pick up on that when we get back all right sounds great wayne nelson uh, with you on uh, your province your premier and we will be back to wrap things up in our final segment when we return Welcome back to the show. Again, this is your opportunity to speak with Premier Danielle Smith one-on-one. -on -one. If you have a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, you know the numbers, 403-974-8255 in Calgary or 780-496-0063 in Edmonton. Lots of calls to get to, lots of texts. Uh, Wayne, Premier do you mind Smith, if I just before that, yes, yes, just before that, the break, we question? were talking about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was asked the question: Why is nobody raising uh, the alarm or lighting their hair on fire in Saskatchewan, even though they refer to it with the Saskatchewan First Act, which is doing exactly the same thing? Uh, Premier Scott Moe, as well, has brought through a bill that is going to charge federal officers with trespassing if they go onto private property. The, he is also bringing forward a new firearms act. So. These are things that are happening in Saskatchewan, too. Why are people freaking out? Because we're doing them in Alberta. And I'll tell you why. It's because since the 1960s, this province has transferred $600 billion to the rest of the country. We have a system set up where they overtax us, and then they dribble a little bit of money back to us if we'll do our programs their way. And then they take the rest and they use it to buy votes in Eastern Canada. And we are saying the gig is up. We are not going to do this anymore. Saskatchewan's in a similar position because they are now a net contributor to Confederation, but that's brand new. We have been doing this for a long time. And they know that by changing the conversation, they're going to have to have the uncomfortable conversation, which quite frankly, we got a province-wide referendum and mandate on, which is to eliminate equalization from the Constitution. And I haven't forgotten that, but this is, uh, we, we have to put the framework in place so that we can start defending Alberta. This is the first step. There's going to be a lot more. All right. Uh, Bill in Edmonton is calling on that very subject. Uh, go ahead, Bill. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Hi, thanks. Well, yeah, so Premier Scott Moe is doing great. I think Danielle Smith is doing great. You know, here's the challenge. Could we ask Justin Trudeau to drop the, the carbon tax, but stop Canadian exports of coal to China? Huge, huge exports of coal to China. What do you think of that idea? Well, this is part of the reason why we've been talking about LNG is that that is exactly the solution. If we want to have a solution that not only reduces global emissions, but also helps support our local economy, we, we would we would be we would probably be doubling or tripling or quadrupling our LNG exports. If you look at how what has happened in North America, the jurisdictions that have had the greatest success in reducing their emissions are ones who have switched from coal to natural gas in their electricity generation. So these and, and those as well that are using carbon capture, we've got carbon capture and storage in in uh, in Saskatchewan in one of their plants. We we've got plants here that are that are working on doing the same thing. That's the the solution. I I agree with you. You can't be a hypocrite. You can't on the one hand say, well, we'll turn a blind eye. 
because it's China, but we're going to hammer Alberta. That makes no sense. My view is let's work with the federal government so that Alberta can be asserted as the energy supplier to the world of our, of our clean energy. All right. Uh, I was just going through some text messages there and uh, got lost in thought reading some of them, uh, Premier Smith. But we'll uh, go to the phones and uh, we're going to hear from Stephen in Calgary. Uh, or, well, Stephen's not quite there yet. Oh, so we'll go to, who am I going to pick here? Phone lines, phone lines. All right, Susan's been waiting a long time. Susan calling from outside Red Deer. You're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. Hi. I have a, a comment and then a question. Um, she has um, mentioned the carbon tax, uh, but she didn't mention the fact that Alberta had a carbon tax that the UCP got rid of, and she never mentions the rebates, which will also be tripling, and she doesn't mention that the reduction in fertilizers is voluntary. And I'd also like to know her comments on the comments that Shane Getson made in the legislature comparing Nazism and the NDP. Let me say a couple of things. So on the carbon tax, I mean, Susan's quite right that uh, we have now, because we battled it out in the Supreme Court and we lost, we are in a position where we have to have a carbon tax. Um, I'm hoping that we can challenge that again at some future point where we can make a broader case for energy affordability and energy security and, and reducing emissions a different way. But this quickly after a Supreme Court decision, I've been told they're unlikely to want to rehear the case. And so it really has to be up to Albertans. Do, you, do Albertans believe that Ottawa should continue taking this money out of our economy and then they have the decision about how it gets rebated back? Or should Alberta be the one, since we've been told by the court we have to do this, should we be the ones collecting it and deciding how it's rebated? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to getting some suggestions on that because I'm worried that the longer we go this way and the higher this tax rate gets, the more they're going to siphon off a portion of it to do exactly what they've always done, keep it to buy votes in Eastern Canada. So I'm just going to put that out there, that it's a, we're, in a, we're in a tough position now because uh, they want to create a different type of policy for Quebec versus here. And the best we can do right now is to reduce our own fuel tax so that we can we can adjust for that. It's part of the reason why we've got some of the lowest fuel taxes and the lowest uh, gas rates in the in the country. I think we're at about 49 uh, when I just looked at the last fill up um, or at the last filling station I went past, whereas it's over $2 in the rest of the country. So we're trying to counteract what the federal government is doing. Uh, as for fertilizer, I mean, this is the point of pushing back, right? Is that they come out with these outlandish policies and then they suggest that they want to have these rapid timeframes. And if they come through with legislation to force it, we have to be prepared to put up that constitutional shield. This is the reason why we have these conversations is so that they realize, gee, we can't get away with that. Because uh, Saskatchewan pushed back just as hard on the fertilizer cap as we did. But I am not. I'm watching what's happening in, in Europe. I am watching what's happening in particular in the Netherlands, where they are now talking to their farmers about confiscating their property if they do not reach 60% emissions redu reduction targets. And make no mistake, if they want to do that in Europe, the, the, the federal government is watching that too. They, they are going to get away with as much as they think they can get away with. And that is why we have to put up the constitutional shield. And look, as I said, and my view is that 
you should only talk about the world's worst dictators if you're actually talking about the world's worst dictators. Only talk about Hitler if you're talking about Hitler. Only talk about Vladimir Putin if you're talking about Vladimir Putin. I think it was just as inappropriate, um, and I've, I've raised it with Mr. Getson, but it's just as inappropriate for Darren Billis to be calling me Vlad- Vladimir Putin right. as well, and I want to see the debate elevated, as I okay. said. Okay. Uh, text message coming in from uh, 6.30. Chad, people are freaking out because... The sovereignty bill includes giving unilateral powers to ministers to rewrite legislation without due process. Now, we we discussed this earlier in the show, but if you could just go over that again, uh, Premier Smith. Yeah, I think that that there is some confusion on that. And so we're working on some amendment to make it clear. The way way, I know it's it's getting a bit into the weeds and it's a little bit into sausage making, but the way laws normally work is that the legislature debates a statute, they pass it, and then they give the power to the cabinet to go and do ministerial orders and write regulations and give directives and make policy changes. and but, but I think where it's unclear is if there was any change to legislation, it has to come back to the legislature. So if we need to clarify that in an amendment, we're going to do that next week. All right. Now, we're finally going to get to Stephen in Calgary uh, about auto insurance. Go ahead, Stephen. You're on with Premier Smith. Hi, Premier. Thanks for taking my call today. Um, very briefly, we have astronomical insurance rates uh, now being applied across the province. I'm an average Albertan. Can't say I'm high class, low class, middle class, doesn't matter class. But as an example, I just faced that $1,000 increase with a perfect driving record. And I've been driving since 1997. No tickets, no claims, no accidents. I'm wondering if the government will take a look at insurance again in Alberta and perhaps push these insurance companies to be a little bit more accountable to what they're charging average Albertans. I'm at the point where I will no longer be able to afford a newer vehicle, which is going to have an impact the environment as well. Yes, absolutely. I can tell you one of the things that Matt Jones and I agree on. So he's the affordability and utilities minister. And I've given him that portfolio because I want him to be able to identify problems that go across ministry and get in there and solve them. And one of the things that he said to me is that um, and insurance is essentially a regulated monopoly or oligopoly because you don't have a choice if you're driving a vehicle or you own a home. You don't have a choice of not getting insurance. And quite frankly, uh, that's irresponsible from um, my perspective of a company with somebody who has a perfect driving record to see that kind of massive increase. I heard the same from another family. They had a $5,000 insurance bill that's gone up to $10,000. So just know that we're working our way through various problems, and that is very much on our radar. If, if I can make an observation about what I think is going on there, and maybe there are some in the industry who, would, who uh, will be able to help clarify it, but it seems to me that the insurance companies are, are building in a factor for damage that might cause from extreme events. And we've had a number of extreme events in Alberta. We had the Southern Alberta floods. We had the Fort McMurray and Slave Lake fires. We had the hailstorm in Northeast Calgary. But here's the here's the thing that, uh, that they're not getting is that when we do have those act of God type of experiences, government always steps in to assist in paying the bill. So I am getting the impression that they are charging our people as if they're going to have to pay 100% of the cost of those extreme events themselves and not discounting it knowing that federal government that the provincial and in some cases federal government would step in in the worst cases. So if that's the case, I think that we can resolve that and that's right. that's where I'm going in our negotiations. All right, we're going to have to wrap it up right there. Just a, a quick comment uh Chad text lines uh, divergent opinions. One says this radio show is nothing but propaganda for Danielle Smith. The other one says, I hope listeners fully appreciate how refreshing it is to have had two premiers now willing to spend an hour of their valuable time every week answering questions from Alberta citizens. It's a service to Albertans that is very much welcomed. Thank you so much. Premier Smith, it's been a pleasure once again. 
My pleasure, too. And I'll look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks, Wayne. You betcha. Same time next week. I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.